I think we're good to go. Are you okay? Yep, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you perfectly. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Just before we do, um, is it okay if I mention what a shit show politics is at the moment? <laughs> you cannot say shit. <laughs> okay, can I just say what a show politics is at the moment? <laughs> what a farce <laughs> politics is. Is that okay? Yep. Right. Three, two, one. The Standing Orders Podcast. So welcome to the sixth edition of the Standing Orders Podcast with me, Dr. Thomas Foreman, and my co-host, Councillor Sulon. Good morning, Thomas. How are you this morning, Councillor? I'm fine, actually. I'm just a little bit damp. Is I've been out and I've put the dog, got soaked. Went to the shop, came out got set. So uh, it's not a very good morning here. No, but I can imagine. And, and apologies if you hear me uh, slurping on coffee or putting it down. I'm, I'm really badly sitting on a glass table, which is why I think there's a bit of echo. And also when I put my coffee cup down, you can hear it. So uh, I think we need to invest in some better coasters. <laughs> it's a nice tablecloth would be good. So Today, Councillor, we're, we're going to be talking about kind of social media, how people interact with councils and whether or not councils still kind of really whether councils are still happy with saying no to people, um, which I know a lot of people will be thinking councils say no all the time. But I think with, uh, with social media and with, I, I would say, some of the vitriol that comes from members of the public, I think councils now are trying as much as possible to avoid either getting in the press, getting on social media or anything else. And sometimes, um, and we'll come on to some, some kind of more details about it and some examples, but I think people increasingly are thinking, now, is this so important that I'm willing to go through the issues on social media I will get as a consequence? Or should I just say yes, because it's going to be a lot easier for me to say yes than it is to argue the point over something that actually we don't think needs to be done or shouldn't be done or we shouldn't be spending money on but actually you know on balance it's probably worth it because otherwise it's not worth the uh, the time but before we come on to that councillor this is our sixth edition and i think you'll remember uh, when we went through the conservative leadership election i said now don't age the podcast by saying who the candidates are going to be and then of course we had uh, the tragic passing of of the queen and we had uh, you know liz truss as as prime minister and now we don't have liz truss um, as prime minister for much longer and i guess my question is in six episodes of a podcast have you ever known anything change so much and just more generally, what earth is going on with the Conservative Party at the moment? Well, if anybody can work out what's going on with the Conservative Party at the moment, they're a better person than I am. It's, um, I'm, I'm sorry to say, it is, in my opinion, a farce. It's, I just can't believe that they've let our country get into the state that it is at this moment in time. It's um, extremely worrying time. Um, it's, you know, our economy is in probably one of the worst situations that we could possibly have put ourselves into uh, for many, many years. And um, 
And again, we've got a government that just isn't working for well for another five days. But it's I mean, it's a shambles, isn't it? Really, you're, you're right. It's a farce. I, I think there are, if we were not being family friendly, quite a few terms that we could both use to describe it. But I've just never known, and I know that we said in the first episode this will be apolitical, but actually I genuinely think that this is being apolitical because I don't think anyone from any political party would be able to say anything other than, you know, this is just shambolic. And what really frustrates me is that as local councils, we're being told increasingly there's no parliamentary time to uh, to do certain uh, to get certain pieces of legislation through things like you know virtual meetings, stuff like that. There's no parliamentary time for it. However, there is ample parliamentary time to be swapping prime ministers, uh, what seems like on a monthly basis. And as we're recording this, um, you know we've got two possible next prime ministers that have announced. And one former prime minister that hasn't announced his candidacy. And I just, to, to be honest with you, you know, we, we've had discussions and we will continue to have discussions about, you know, the principles of public life and about, you know, the behaviour of councillors, the behaviour of officers, how councils generally get themselves into a little bit more trouble than they need to. But honestly, when you have someone who has just, you know, I, I guess... To put it lightly, when you have someone who is actively under investigation by a standards committee to think, actually, I'm the person to come back on this, I just can't understand the mentality of it. And I can't understand really where the government or or any member of a political party will think generally the public will wear it. I, I just don't understand what level of reality we're operating on. I think you won't remember the 70s and well no that's because I'm only in my 20s (laughs) (laughs) and neither were you counsellor you're in your 30s or at least if you're uh, if your member photo is anything to go by (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true it's uh, but it is I think that we have literally gone back um, 50 years and I think that what's happening now it will be a case of um, we'll either switch people off and there'll be no interest in politics at all, or we will incite people just to be so angry about how the country's being run and, and what's happening. And, you know, in, in that, what, how many days was it, 44 days that Liz Trust was in power? Mortgages went up and interest rates. Yeah, I think think we can safely say that in 45 days she made everyone poorer. Um, And I think the promise of making anyone better off uh, was cut dramatically from from two years to six months. And I think generally, like looking at the wider picture, I said uh, about, you know, one potential former prime minister coming back. Um, I mean, I, I then think, you know, actually, you know, one of the other candidates was fined over, you know, parties during COVID and take what you will from that as to whether you think it was right or whether you think it was just trying to put the matter to bed and that's why the the fine was paid. Um, But you think, well, that's two out of a potential three and they're the top two people that MPs are going for. I mean, I don't want to get too kind of bogged down in national politics, but it is such an important thing locally and 
I will say that it's a important thing locally because I think the recent by-election results that uh, that the council had on the day that Liz Trust resigned shows just how important it is to people uh, locally what's happening on the national level because you know the Conservative Party I think had been on the town council for twenty years or more. Uh, 24 years. 24 years at having a Conservative council on the ward. And on the day Liz Truss resigned, it switched to Labour. And we're only a few months away from local elections. And I think, really, if there is no general election before then, I would say a majority of, of the local population will be looking for protest votes because I think that they're so disenfranchised with the way politics is going. And I think at a local level that's going to change the landscape dramatically. Um, and I think, you know, it's completely understandable that the frustration is there for members of the public. And I think local councillors are also going to be feeling the brunt of it more because you're the face of, you know, a political party in the community. And I think it's going to be really difficult for you um, going around. And I don't envy, you know, anyone in politics at the moment, whichever colour party you uh, you support. But I can only imagine how difficult it is for, for some members of parties at the moment to uh, to continue in post when there's so much unhappiness. Yeah, you're right. It's God, I've never known you sound so sad, Councillor. No, it's, it's probably the worst time ever uh, that I've, like I've just said, that since the 70s, that, um, you know, that there isn't any, there's no incentive anymore um because neither and you're right neither parties any none of the parties um should be able to hold their head up in in parliament at the moment i think every single one of them has let the country down i think that whoever gets i think in varying degrees but i think there's always going to be more kind of more weight added to the government of the day that actually it's for them to hold a higher standard as opposed to looking to the opposition parties? Under under normal circumstances, I'd agree with you. But I think in the last, um, the last, I don't know, eight months, ten months, the way that we've seen our members of parliament behave over numerous uh, situations, um, this, uh, we don't know the final details, of um, what happened with the party gate, but there's always two sides to a story, and I don't think that we're seeing both sides of the story. I think that we're we're, we're seeing something that um, is being pretty much fabricated in in, in my mind. That um, you know was was classed as a party. You know, six people in a room. Well, I think paying a fine. Does not, in my opinion. I think when you pay a fine to say that yes, you did do. Um, you did break the law and you pay a fixed penalty. I think that's pretty much a, a cut and dry of, yeah, actually, you know, it, it was a party. And I think the more that, you know, the government of the day under Boris Johnson focused on things like, you know, the name calling in Parliament of things like severe coma and stuff, I don't think that's particularly befitting a prime minister. And I think actually when you look at it, uh, I wouldn't say... Uh, well, I'll be honest with you, I would not say it at the moment. Um, Keir Starmer has a lot to prove because I, right. I think Keir Starmer has come through actually since he's taken, you know, over the Labour leadership. 
I would say he's done tremendously well in trying to turn the party around. No. Well, he he has. He's done he's done an awful lot to turn the party around. He's still got an awful lot more to do. Just find some charisma as well would make a lot of difference. But um, but no, I, I'm not defending Boris in, in any way. But I'm just looking at it in a practical way. A party, six people, a birthday cake, singing happy birthday does not make it. A party. I mean, on a, illegal at the you, time. you say on a practical level, would you practically want to see another Boris Johnson premiership? No, I wouldn't. I don't. I don't. My, my only issue with Boris is that the people put Boris in, so the people should take Boris out. It should not have been a situation where the MPs decided that they were going to do this. The MPs then told the members who they should vote for. I didn't want either of uh, Rishi or Liz. I didn't want either of them. But you didn't have a choice. I mean, I, so, I think I think you're right um, in some regard. I, I do think we don't have a presidential system. You vote for your local MP. And if your local MP steps down, you then get a by-election. So it's not that the party then fills that MP's place. A by-election is held and the people get a say again on who represents them locally in Parliament. People don't vote in a presidential system. We don't have a presidential head of state. And so I think when you weigh out how many people voted for Boris Johnson, I would just be looking at his constituency and I'd be looking elsewhere for people who may have lent their vote to the Conservative Party for the direction and the manifesto. But then it's for each of those individual members really to support the manifesto pledges that were made as opposed to the leader that made them. And it's the manifesto that people will vote for, whether or not they read it, um, as opposed to the person. And I think when you look at members of parliament and, you know, when they lose confidence in it, I think it would be really difficult to get members of parliament and, and say they have to keep a leader that they have no confidence in. And to be honest with you, I think it... You know, for, for a lot of people, I think they felt in Parliament and outside Parliament it was time for Boris to go. And that then waiting for years for this to happen would do absolutely nothing for the government. And at which point would they then be able to replace him? We would then have to wait for a loss at an election before you can then get rid of your party leader. And I mean, it happened to Theresa May, it happened to David Cameron. I mean, you know, it is the system of Parliament that we have. But what was the benefits of losing Boris? What, what did we gain well, by putting somebody I, else, I don't think somebody you, else in? We didn't gain anything. I mean, can you do a race to the bottom in this? Can you say, well, okay, beginning. Well, by some people's reckoning, Boris was amazing. And, and you know, I understand and this, some people will feel this bring thing, Boris back being a huge kind of push. But then I also think, well, to be honest with you, you, you know, you've got bring Boris back. What was the benefit of him going? Well, the fact that someone worse came along afterwards doesn't mean you should keep someone that no, the MPs doesn't. had no confidence in. It just means that the party put up poor candidates or a poor candidate that was then selected. And actually, I think when you have the MPs running through, that I think it's difficult because the MPs need to have confidence in the leader of the party in Parliament and in this case, the Prime Minister, to be able to support the policies going through. But then the membership having a say on it, I think it's really difficult because they're basically presented with two options. And between, you know, we, we can debate 
Liz Truss and Penny Mordaunt and how the votes then went in order for Liz Truss to appear instead of Penny Mordaunt. But I think, you know, it is a very difficult system for people to get their heads around. And I think generally members of the public are probably just tired and fatigued by all of this. I mean, without putting too fine a point, I think as a country, we tend to look at other political systems and we tend to look at other countries and we look at their political kind of standing and how they do politics. And we think, oh, well, you know, that may be okay for them, but we hold ourselves to a high standard. And I think we're doing a really good job at making them look exceptional at the moment with how things are being handled. Yeah. And you go back to what you were saying about, um, you know, whenever it comes to local elections, if we lose an MP or we lose a councillor, then we we then have a by-election within so many weeks of um, that person. Either We've we've had a situation where one of our uh, councillors passed away, so we had to have a by-election. Now, um, whenever people go out and vote... I think they very much look at who is that, who's the leader of that party, as opposed to, um, you know, what's necessarily happening locally. We've been lucky um, over the last 24 years that people have looked at the town council and thought that 16 Conservatives were doing a fine job and continue to vote us in. On We had our by-election on Thursday, as you said, um, the day that Liz Truss resigned the lunchtime um, the day that we were doing the, the by-election. So um, I, I was at the polling station at 7 o'clock in the morning and um, taking a telling. Uh, Blimey, it's lucky you look good at any hour of the day, councillor. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have scared a few people off, but they <laughs> and, um, But I spoke to a gentleman who said, what's going on? He said, I have voted Conservative all my life. And he said, uh, it's nothing against the local people. He said, but I have had enough. I can't believe, he said, I voted for Boris. I wanted Boris to still be there, but the MPs took him away. So um, it is, and, and it's very much, you know, that it's the leader that most people are voting for and um again, on the streets, the people you will still talk to so many people who think that Boris should be back. I don't think Boris should be back. I don't think that Rishi should be standing. Rishi was a runner up to the last selection. So why would And look how that went the best. I've said that the MPs have taken Boris out and it should have been the people that did it. It should have been a case of no confidence in the leader and would go to a general election. We'll put somebody else in who people want, not what the MPs want. And uh, and I would if if I I just I would find it so hard to believe that um, we would actually they would actually put Boris back in again. If they did, it would be his place. And I think anybody who gets selected to be the next prime minister, the day after they get selected, they should call a general election. Blimey, those are big words coming from a Conservative. Yeah, whenever I tell that to my partner, he says, well, that's never going to happen. But it should. We've we've made a farce of our political system, and uh, and it's time for us to stand up and say, okay, we made a mistake there. 
we're wiping the plate clean, slate clean, and we're going to start all over again. How many mistakes? This is our new mandate. Hmm? You said Sorry. we've made a mistake there. Just, just how many times? <laughs> but I think you know we we could get into and and I apologise for for kind of taking us down this this path. I guess I I just kind of feel like when you have a leadership election, and I think generally the votes were lent to Liz Truss during that to present her to members because I think the person who came third in Penny Morton would perhaps have gotten uh, more support than, than Rishi. And it was a, a kind yeah. of a gamble on who between, you know, Liz and Penny would Rishi be more successful against. And I think when you have such little support, when you go to the membership from MPs, that then to come back as Prime Minister and to expect all of those MPs to then suddenly turn into loyal backbench MPs is unlikely. And then when you completely tank the economy, it's even less likely that you're going to get anyone really that's going to be able to to show a huge amount of support. And I think, you know, I know when we've had difficult meetings, I know when we've had really difficult kind of meetings and votes, etc., but you've never seen stills of photos like things that happened in Parliament last week for the fracking vote. You know, we, we do need to draw a line somewhere. I am also aware that um, I said that this was all about saying no um, as a uh, as a podcast and, and being brave enough to do it. And instead of taking the standard path of talking national politics. No, and it's, it's, it's fine. We, we can, but this is our thing. We can talk about whatever we want to. <laughs> This is our podcast. Blimey, and this is what but, we've chosen. Imagine. <laughs> but again, it's, it's, whenever you to, to have a good government, you need to have a good leader. You need to have somebody, and this is where it comes to the bullying and uh, intimidation and all of that side. You need to be able to steer your party down the right route so that people know what the choices are you bring all of those people. You, you need to get everybody's opinion. You bring everybody with you. If your party says, no, I don't think this is the right way to go, you have to go with the majority of your party. It's not the majority of your party that comes along with you because, you, you know, you think that's the right way to go. If the majority says no, you, you haven't got any rights to turn around and make them vote for something that they that they didn't believe in or their constituency didn't believe in. And I, I, what I would really like to have seen this time around for the selection, I'd like to have seen one of the old school. I can't think of anybody who I would, would put forward. Um, go back and take somebody who lived under um, different regimes to what we are now who who knew how to behave do, in public. In, instead of uh, regimes, do you think we, we should just use the term different governments than, than we have now in, instead of regimes? Or? No, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm happy to go with that because it's, that's how it is. So, um, so they, you know, so take somebody from the old school who knew how to behave in public life, who knew what was acceptable and what wasn't acceptable, and um, and then take us out of the this sinking ship and take us back to port so that we can start all over again. But unfortunately, I can't. That's a really that nice analogy. I like that. Take us off this sinking ship, take us back to port, and then we can start again. 
fill up all those sinking holes and then gets back out again. But no, I, I really believe that whoever gets in needs to call a general election and let the public decide. I don't think anyone... Um, well, I, I think you would get an awful lot of sympathy with that vote. Um, I'm not entirely sure that it will be one that happens for the next couple of years at least. No, I don't think it will be one that will happen, but it should do. Because the other thing that is not going to happen, it's not going to happen because if they did do that, and I don't care if I say this or not, they know they would lose their jobs. So it would be a case of, um, okay, fine. Um, You put us in the situation, you take the consequences that go with it, and um, you move out and let somebody else move in. Well, I mean... You heard it here first. So, <laughs> moving so I'll on. I'll be sacked in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> moving on dramatically, then, uh, then councillor. So, um, the ability to say no. Do you think, generally, as members, as as councils, that the balance is now turning on? Do we have the will and the capacity to say no, knowing that actually? you will often get so much uh, negativity, so much harassment, so much um, anger from from sometimes an individual or a minority um, over an issue that actually sometimes just isn't that important or is solely important to to a small number of people. Um, Does the concern about the amount of kind of abuse, harassment, anger, does that make you just sometimes think, Let's just go along with it. Do you, or if not with you personally, do you see elsewhere that you see people just thinking, actually, do I have the capacity to handle this and to fight this off on a constant basis with this person, this person, this person? Or is it actually just sometimes easier just to say yes instead of no? I don't think it's ever a clear case of saying no or yes. I think that if somebody comes to you with a project that they would like, um, the town council, the district council to take up and um, and move and fix the problem that they think is there, then um, I think that you, you can't just turn around and say, no, that's not happening. Um, you obviously have well, to give you a can. reason. You have to explain. I think, I think your you can say, no, that. that's not happening. <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you can't just say, no, that's not happening. You have to say, I'm sorry, but that's not a practical thing for us to do. And then you have to explain the reason why that's not a practical thing for us to do. But, um, I mean, yeah, to, to start with, or... you through this. And I guess I'm talking about, you know, some people just won't accept no for an answer. Um, and, yeah. and, not to and I think, yes, and, and I think that there are people out there, especially now that the election is coming up in next May for the local council elections. And you will get people who will think, no, we can't say that. We can't say that in public because that will lose us votes. Or, you, you then have to, if somebody comes along and says they want something, you have to humour them to get them through the next six months and think that, yeah, you're going to do the job. That's not acceptable either. If, if I, To me, if you're honest with people and you say, look, I really appreciate your wish list is this, then, um, but unfortunately, there isn't the finances, there isn't um, the capability there isn't the space to do what you want to do in in the town then it's then it's um that's fine but i don't think that you can just say no without giving that explanation first but i guess people have become 
from, from my perspective, and I mean, it's something that we'll look at in one of the future podcasts about actually, you know, the behavior and the attitude of, of people. And I mean, I was looking through um, some of the comments made during Mental Health Week, um, and a lot of people were saying, I'm kind of taking a break from people that cause negativity, that affect my mental health. And for a lot of people who work in local councils, it tends to be, you know, members of the public, um, sometimes officers, sometimes councillors, but on the whole, I would say, members of the public are responsible for a huge amount of uh, kind of angst, a huge amount of stress, um, and you need good resilience to be able to get through um, with it. And I think generally reading and, and talking to kind of other clerks and, and talking to councillors um, outside of Norfolk, I think some people sometimes, if they're kind of, I guess, if they don't feel strongly one way or the other about something, you know, and I think we should always look at, at trying to say yes and to try and make, you know, people's aspirations happen locally. But sometimes, like you say, in a financial term, in a capacity term, in a kind of, in a master plan or, or, or in a kind of, where you have a corporate plan and actually this priority just doesn't fit or it counters one of the priorities that you already have, um, you know, people will increasingly apparently just try and say, either for the for the reason that you've outlined, you know, to get through the next six months, let's just go along with it, or kick the can down the road, or just say yes, and actually just say, you know, we know it's a, a minority, but actually we just don't want the hassle of this. And so we're just going to say yes, just to get through and just to try and appease people because we've had so much negativity that it's starting to get draining. And and I think that there's a real fatigue for some people at the moment that actually they're just done with fighting with people after COVID, after everything else. And I wonder in some regard whether that's why a lot of people are leaving um, local councils. And, and we'll come on to, you know, the way the public kind of treat people in, in a future podcast, but I just wonder whether, you know, decisions are being made now that wouldn't necessarily have been made, you know, three or four years ago. But you, you have, looking at it from a councillor's perspective and an officer's perspective is, is very, very different. By the time I get to hear the story of what's happened or what people want, it's come through the officers first. So you're the one who's at the front line and you're the one that's taking all the uh, criticism, all the anger, you're the ones that are seeing it first. It's never, nobody ever has the right to speak to anybody, but anybody who works for local government, everybody, a lot, not everybody, a lot of the residents um, who have an axe to grind think that it's their God-given right to go and speak to an officer like they're a piece of muck on the floor. That is totally, totally unacceptable. And it, and, and again, you know, the, the job that you're doing, how many people are going to come to you on a daily basis and say, doing a really good job, everything, you know, thought looks absolutely gorgeous, you know, the grasses are cut, the trees are cut, everything is, is perfect. The only time that you're really going to hear from members of the public is whenever they're not happy. And yeah. they might think that they're the ones, they might think that they're the ones, the, you know, they're the only ones that's got this axe to grind or they're not happy with the situation. But all you need is three or four people in a week, that's three out of five days, that somebody will be phoning and speaking and saying, I'm not happy with this. And, and things that are totally out of, 
are control or your control, um, you're expected to, to resolve the issue. Um, I mean, I will say I feel a huge amount of sympathy, especially post-COVID, with some of the frustrations that come out. But for parish clerks who are basically alone, um, and I think when you look at some of the larger yeah. councils that do get some of the issues coming through, um, you know, it's almost like a mutual support network that exists between colleagues that get on really well together. An issue comes in, people talk about it, people chat things through. And I think that that's quite cathartic to be able to do that. But then I think you look at the other spectrum, kind of the other side of the spectrum, where you then see sole officers working by themselves. And actually, you can almost feel that the universe solely is, you know, that community. And, and no matter where you go, it follows you. And I think that that's, in terms of mental health, a really difficult thing. And I think ultimately, you know, I, I think in some ways it's going to impact on decisions that are made because I think you always have the silent majority. And sometimes it is easier to go along with that kind of that vocal minority just for the, well, just in, in many ways for self-preservation. I think it's important to kind of look at that and to recognise that, that actually, you know, a very good governance programme and a very stringent kind of set of rules in terms of decision-making is really important. But equally important is to actually recognise some of the stresses and the strains that these decisions lead to. And, I mean, it's okay when you, you know, we've got in, in Thorpe, you've got, what, 16 councillors, um, in, in other communities, you may have eight, you may have 10, you may have 12, you know, it varies depending on, on things like, you know, population, etc. But I think when you're sitting in that room and, and members are making a decision, once that's made and the person who implements it is a single officer who then becomes almost the focus of it, um, there's always that expectation from the public that the officer will justify it and the officer will you know, push forward with it and the officer will, will do all of these things. And actually, then the criticism doesn't necessarily fall to the uh, to the councillors as much as it does that individual officer. And everyone, and I, I would say, you know, people are generally pretty critical of council workers anyway. And I just think at the moment that that really is going to start impacting on the ability to say no and the strength and the support to say no. And that then when officers do say no... Members are going to support them. And actually, you know, we've, we've seen some, you know, I'd say some clerks who have been, you know, not supported sufficiently by by councils. Um, and the councils have come out and used terms such as, you know, clerks acting in a high handed way when they've come to what is a perfectly legitimate decision in line with what previous policy has been. And actually, I think, you know, councils often then kind of resist um, and, and try and go along with public opinion and rather than, you know, what is actually perhaps written in policy and what is good practice. No, I, I don't think that um, we, we had a situation um, a, a few months ago where somebody had put something on Facebook and, um, and then we had um, a massive influx of total criticism against the town council. Uh, because they felt that we weren't doing what was um, what was expected of us, and um, the most important thing under that circumstances 
was that even though this was a this was a long trail of total criticism, um, it seemed as though it was half of the population of thought that were involved in the conversation. But it was probably six or eight people who were actually involved in this long trail of six criticism. or eight people have a population of roughly how much? Quite a lot. <laughs> and um, it was it was but it was the, the thing is that some people get the idea that because it's in public and it's on Facebook that they can set the policies for the town council and that's not the case they think that they have got the right to then criticize the officers for not doing what they want them to do I remember that you had a conversation with a resident who um wanted something to change in Thorpe, you spoke to her and told her all the scenarios that we could do to change the situation. But everything that you were saying to her, she was saying, no, I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want that. I mean, and, and um, there, are, so, there are some instances where, where you know, to, to, to coin, and there aren't many of them with 44 days in office, um, but to coin a Liz Trust phrase, you know, some people just won't take yes for an answer. Um, but I think you can uh, you could generally look at it. And I think, you know, just you're talking about Facebook. I do remember having a discussion with a member uh, regarding, I think it was a piece of, of street furniture. Um, and they kind of, we ha- had it installed and it was installed to high weight standards and it was installed a certain way around because it would affect the visual display if it were faced with, you know, it being open to the uh, open to the pavement and closed to the road so that if people splashed, obviously it would hit the bus stop uh, wall instead of hitting the people waiting. But Highway said it needs to be orientated so it's open to the road because otherwise it would be blocking a visual display. So we had it all installed and then the next thing I hear is uh, on Facebook that uh, a member of the public is called to say that they've cast their vote about which way the bus shelter should be. And so I was sent a link and looked at it and a member had put on, if you like this post this many times, I will get the bus shelter turned around. And actually, you know, when we then have that discussion with uh, with members to say we, we just can't make policy on Facebook, if there were good reasons for why things have been done, then actually we're not going to change it. And even if, to be fair, you know, that there isn't good reasons, you know, it's not for a Facebook poll of a minority of people in a private group to start dictating policy um, bypassing other elected members, because ultimately that, that just isn't local democracy and you can't have closed groups on Facebook, you know, making decisions. I, I lost you for a few minutes there. Perfect. That's great. Um, so what, whatever you missed, <laughs> I'm not quite sure how that worked, but maybe maybe it was just it was just on my on my side. But no, this is the thing, and and people that's that's the I think that's the most worrying thing is that um, some members feel that they can be influenced by what's on Facebook, and um, as I said, in my opinion, if somebody asks a question, you simply say come to the town council meeting, put your point forward, and um, and then we'll either explain to you this is possible or it's not possible, and that's it. Um, but, no, I, 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 that's on, on the, on the councillor side of it. But on the um, officer side, I do. I, I, it worries me that, um, that you, 
you know, even if it's just even if it's just one person in a week, sometimes how that you know their complaint comes over or their ridicule comes over, it can stay with you for a long time. Because if you're if you're somebody who is really conscientious about your you know your work and and you know you want to to make sure that you live in the area you want to make sure that everything is 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 right and is good and you want people to be proud of the council that you're working for then that hurts whenever somebody comes and criticizes you yeah, and I, says I, I that you're you know increasingly local government officers are probably understanding the true meaning of death by a thousand paper cuts and straw that broke the camel's broke the back. Camel's back. Um, mainly but because I, I, I don't think there's anything, sometimes it's not the individual kind of things that come through, it's just that cumulative kind of stuff that, that yes. sometimes comes through that is very personal, very channeled. And we've had people, you know, visited at home by members of the public and we've had people mm. who have followed members of staff home to find out where they live to see whether, you know, they're being treated any differently. And you just think, you know, actually, this is one step beyond what you would normally expect. And it's increasing. You know, there, there is a lot more of this happening than there used to be. Mm. And, and this is the, I think this is the thing is that, that people I don't know, something has switched in, in some people's minds uh, since COVID. And I think since COVID, people. People feel that they have the God-given right to say and do what they want to say to people. And I'd like to think that the majority of times, I'd like to think that people don't always realise what they're saying and in the manner that they're saying it. And they don't expect to be taken to heart the way that it is. But is it just a case that we've we've all just got too, um, you know, We've all become too rude. That we've we've got no, we've lost respect for other people. Is it because we see it out there that um, you know, out in even in government, if you if you look at how um, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday in Parliament, how um, the whole House were were just being so disrespectful to Liz Trust. Was she hiding under a desk? And well. I, I think, to, to be fair, you, you could say by not turning up, it was a pretty big disrespect to the house. And so I, I would, but I understand what you're saying. That actually, it starts at the top and, and it filters yeah. down. You almost get the tone set that if you feel that it's acceptable because of what you've heard in Parliament and you see that how national politics is playing out, that actually that's going to make local politics play out in a very similar way because people then become emboldened. And, and I think you know, that, that's almost what's what's happening. And now you've disappeared completely. And we're back after you losing connection quite dramatically. I thought that in the discussion of people being less tolerant of differing views, you decided to just hang up on me and leave. But it uh, turns out that you just got disconnected and you've come back, Councillor. Thomas, I'm not sure that it was me got disconnected. I think it was you got disconnected. Well, it, it has come up with an alert saying participant Sue is having a problem, which I, I actually think is probably the most descriptive explanation I've ever had of something <laughs> which relates to you. <laughs> big problems, big problems. And you're back. And I'm back. Okay, let's try again because it, it's not saying participant Sue is having a problem. 
although I suspect, despite that warning not coming up, it might still be the case. Um, so, oh, and I've got a warning. No. No? No, no I don't know what that's all about. Fine. Um, okay. So I, I think we were just finishing off, Councillor, um, after lots of dramatic pauses, just to say, you know, next podcast... I think either the next one or the one after, should we perhaps talk about uh, public behaving badly? Is that a uh, is is that a good one to uh, to look at? Public behaving badly is a very good one to look at. Um, and and then just, we could do members behaving badly, and I think that would be even better. We can do both. We can do public and uh, <laughs> members behaving ba- badly. Um, we can't do officers uh, behaving badly, though, Councillor, because, um, well, unfortunately, they're, they're the ones they that, that normally appoint me, so therefore uh, there's no chance <laughs> of us covering that. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> shitting on my own doorstep. But officers, <laughs> officers don't behave badly, uh, not in Thorpe anyway. But, uh, no, it's um, we, we, uh, yeah, we, we, can, we can do that. But it is okay, you know, it's just the, the old, sorry, treat people how you want to be treated yourself. And... Um, if somebody feels that they want to be rude to you, that obviously means that they want you to be rude back again. Ah, I think that's done. Excellent. Thank you for listening to the Standing Orders podcast by Politis. Please like and subscribe to get your weekly edition. You can suggest topics by emailing podcast at politisconsulting.co.uk. See you next week. So um, so how does this system then work? I have no does idea. On one? No, no idea. No, I do it all. I wonder what call settings is. And then have you got like an orange, like a orangey calorie ball? That's a very personal question, Councillor. <laughs>